time to lay up. All right, uh, welcome. And today we are going to talk about Space A and retirement and a bunch of other stuff in between. Um, today I'm sitting down with Tondalea. She's recently, recently, recently retired from the Air Force. Yes. And uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, uh, your family, and where it all started for you. Um, so I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan, um, inner city Detroit. So I grew up in a very urban area. Um, I have a husband and two sons, uh, they're six and eight, and we live in the DMV, which is the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. Um, my last assignment was at the Pentagon. Um, and surprisingly, the last 12 years of my career, I have been in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. So my kids, they don't know about being military brats because this is the only house that they remember. <laughs> that's, that's definitely something not, not uh, usually, you don't usually see that in the military. Absolutely. So. That's great. And I PCS five times, but I just kept PCS in to different places in the DMV. Okay. And Air Force, uh, what rank were you when you were there? Uh, E8. E8, okay. Yeah, I just saw your uh, your retirement like thank you video on on Facebook yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh, it's twenty minutes, perfect." <laughs> I had to thank a lot of people. <laughs> that was great because I got a really good background and like your experience and, and things like that. So it was oh. really good. And if anybody has gets a chance to check it out, uh, it's it's a really nice way to say thank you. It's very thoughtful, and uh, you you mentioned everybody by name, and it was really. Uh, something very unique. So I appreciate that. It was really nice. <laughs> um, so let me just start out and see about your experience with space day travel. I know from the air force, you have a different perspective. I'm from the army. So, um, I have a little bit skewed perspective, um, but being in the air force and specifically space day travel, um, when was the first time that you took space day hop? Uh, the first time we took Space A, I think it was around 2012, 2013. Okay. Um, from Andrews Air Force Base. Mm -hmm. We um, went to Fair, we went to Travis Air Force Base. So we okay. went from Maryland to California. And how was that first experience? Was that a little bit nerve wracking or? Actually, it was because we lived like, you know, at the time, like 10, 15 minutes from the base. Um, it wasn't really a bad experience. Um, I do recall, like, there were a lot of retirees there when we got there, and we rolled up active duty. You can just see the sadness on their faces <laughs> as, yeah. we, as we walked up um, because they knew they were about to get bumped by some, you know, active duty people. Um, yeah. But it was really seamless. Um because we travel at airports all the time, you're just so used to just just getting from your car to the terminal and going through security. And it's usually like a multi-hour process and can be pretty expensive. But like our favorite part that like we were just able to park and just walk right into the PAX terminal, um, like a really short walk. So we were really excited about that. Yeah. And that being so close and yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Just getting out even nowadays, just hopping out of an Uber and hopping on a plane. Yes. <laughs> it's a lot different than it was even, even five or 10 years ago, but Definitely. yeah. So, and so did you, 
I guess being so close, you may or may not have had to have drive and park the car. You might have took like a, a cab or something there. It's just harder to catch cabs on base. Like I feel like when you're overseas, a lot of the cabs they can get on base, but um, when you're stateside, a lot of times, and even usually Space A, you always have the people that are stationed there that are giving people rides, and and I can talk mm-hmm. about our experience with that as well. But um, so that was our first time taking a hop. Um, I want to say that time we. I think the first day it got canceled, so they didn't fly out that day. And then they did it the next day, and then we were able to get on the next day. So since we live close, we just went home and then came back the next day. Um, and our first flight was um, it was a KC, I think it was KC-135. Um, so, like, we were in, like, these harnesses, and we thought it was kind of cool, honestly. We were like, oh, man, like. I never been on a, a plane like this before. It was like I had never just seen a plane that was just empty in the middle or anything like that. So that was a, a really cool experience to us. And the the people on the plane, they were so nice, like so nice. They were acting like almost like they were flight attendants, like how kind and nice they were. And I'm like, they gave us box lunch and we we're like, we don't have to do this. But it was just they were just really kind. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's been my experience too. I've taken many, many flights and it seems like with a smaller group traveling, usually, I mean, it depends on the plane itself, I guess, but usually it's like on a plane like that, uh, a cargo plane or something like that, they've got maybe 20 or 30 seats. And so you get to know the crew and like maybe bump into them at the commissary the day before and see them <laughs> yeah. in their, in their, uh, in their outfits, uh, you know, picking up snacks and stuff for the flight. So it's, it's really interesting because you get really, uh, it's like the difference between sitting in a lecture hall of 300 students and sitting in a, you know, a classroom of like 20 students. Like you get really Absolutely. personal, really quick. Yeah. It's actually one of my favorite things about flying space eight. <laughs> <laughs> um, so living in the DC area and why you've got, uh, what is it? Two, three, three terminals just right there in the DC area. Or is it just two Andrews PWI? So we have Andrews. So for us, Andrews is like the closest. It's like 10 minutes because we live in Southern Maryland. Mm -hmm. Uh, BWI is about 30 minutes. Um, But Dover to us is pretty local as well. Dover is like two hours and they just have a lot of flights. And then McGuire is about three hours as well as Norfolk is about three, three and a half hours. Um, So those like we've, for us, our mindset, like those are all local to us. Yeah. No, it's, that's a good place to stay. Yes. <laughs> I'm actually down, down in the northern, uh, northeastern part of Georgia. So it's not too far of a drive, but it's still a little bit of a hike to get up to like BWI or something like that. But uh, I feel like East Coast is a really, really good place to be anywhere along the East Coast because you're within yes. a few hours of a, of a terminal in any direction. Yeah. So. Uh, like for me, I can go to Jacksonville as well, South or something like that. Uh, how many flights have you taken so far? Or do you remember the total amount? I feel like we've taken four or five. Okay. And that most recent one is, that's the one that I was reading about. Yes. About your experience with it. Can you, can you break that down for me? <laughs> no, that we did that one. I think we left August 10th and we returned August 22nd. Okay. So can you can you go through that experience and maybe recap 
or not even recap, but if you want to uh, go into that story, because it's such a compelling story. That's why I decided <laughs> to reach out to you. And it was just really, it grabbed me like by my soul and pulled me <laughs> into the story. Uh, so my husband is from the Bay Area in California and my, my uh, we go out there a lot. Um, but I never really liked to burn my leave with Space A, honestly, while I was on active duty. We've done it on active duty, but um, it just, we used more leave. So since I was on terminal leave, I was like, oh, this is the perfect time. Um, so I just randomly, because we hadn't taken a Space A in years, like before kids. So my kids had never done it. Um, so I was like, I think I'm gonna start, I started looking and I seen that they were doing it again. And I joined the Facebook group and just really learned a lot from the um, Facebook group. And then I sat down with my family. We literally had a family meeting and we talked about it um, because I think that's why a lot of people get frustrated is because they don't like they, you have to set your expectations. So we had a family meeting and we talked about what it is. And we talked about how like we are not the mission that they have a mission and we're just hitchhiking. They're just like letting us go. So sometimes their mission can change or they can cancel their mission or they may have a mission that we can't get on, but we won't know um, until we get there. So we just, I said, like, well, we complain and they're like, no. And I'm like, well, we get bad and they're like, no. So we kind of went over different scenarios. I'm like, what if we have to drive two hours, get up really early and then we still can't go? Are we going to get upset? And we're like, no. So, I mean, they're six and eight. So it was, it really, really helped us during the situation. So we were gonna go one week. We, I kept watching McGuire and um, Dover, and any other time Andrews goes to uh, Andrews was going like every week, and then Andrews goes to Charleston a lot as well. But then when we wanted to go, I did not see Travis on Andrews at all. So we're really gonna go from um, McGuire, and it was on a Sunday. And I called, um, I called them on Saturday night because they don't update the websites as much. So you really have to call like, and call a lot. <laughs> but so when I called, it's four, we're a family of four and they said it's three seats firm. So I'm like, okay, we're not going on that flight. So now we're at, I think we're at Monday now. So I was like, well, it's a flight out of Dover. So this particular week, it was like four flights to Travis in a row, like Sunday through Tuesday. I think we're at Tuesday. There were flights and then as Monday came, it was another one Wednesday. Um, so my husband works. So we were like, well, just let's just buy you a commercial ticket. Um, uh, no, we didn't buy him. So this was Monday morning. We were all going to go Monday morning. And I got up and it was like four in the morning. We were about to leave. And um, someone told me like, oh, you have to get the kids birth certificates because at the time they didn't have their passports. We had just mailed off for their passports and they don't have DOD ID cards. So if you have a DOD ID card or you have a passport, then you're fine. You don't need birth certificates, but we didn't have either. So we needed some form of ID. So I'm tearing up my office looking for it. And then it hit me like, no, you mail them off. You don't have them. You didn't lose them. You don't <laughs> have them. You literally mailed them off two weeks ago. So I panic and I call them and I'm just like, are they really going to ask? You know? Um, and like I said, I've been in this area 12 years. So my kids were born here. 
So um, this is like Monday at 4 a.m. My kids are so mad. Like, mom, you woke us up for nothing. Um, so I, I was like, we can't go today. But I was like, it's another flight tomorrow. We're fine. We'll go Tuesday. Um, so Monday, I took a nap, got back up, and went to uh, get their birth, get copies of their birth certificates. And I'm like, you guys are so lucky that you were actually born here. Most military people would not be located where their kids are born, you know, <laughs> especially yeah. if you're six and eight years old. Um, so I went and got copies of their birth certificates and I was like, okay, we're going to leave. But at this point, we got my husband a commercial ticket because he needed to work because he had already taken off Monday. So I'm driving him to the airport and I'm like, yeah, it's a flight tomorrow. And somebody told me to call when I called the flight that was Tuesday. Now it's Wednesday. So I was like, okay, the kids were not leaving on Tuesday either. So um, Tuesday morning come and I'm like, let me see if they changed it. If it's going to be Tuesday again and it was still Wednesday. So I was like, well, Dover is by the beach. I was like, boys, I know we said we were leaving today, but let's just drive out there and we'll just go to the beach. So worst case scenario, we still, we haven't been to the beach this summer. So we'll go. And Dover's like 30 minutes from the beach. So we went, we spent the day at the beach. We got filling in at Dover. Um, and then we went up to the terminal just to see um, if the flight was going to happen um, on Wednesday morning. So <clears throat> we go back Wednesday. We're like, everything is great. We check in. Everything is great. Um, it's like a seamless process. The USO is awesome. It's very, very kid friendly. So they're like lounging, playing video games. It was amazing. And it was no one there. Um, they had 73 seats. It was a C5. Had 73 seats and it was like 11 passengers. Most, I don't think it was any active duty. Um, the kids probably just started school. Um, and then they take us like typically you're, it's kind of like a regular terminal. Like I guess how terminals used to be prior to 911, where you, it was a lot of stuff to do before the gate. <laughs> and then once you go to the other side, so um, once you go to the other side, it's like, okay, you're going to board. They kind of put you in the boarding area. So we go through security and we're in there like 10 minutes. And um, they said, okay, get your stuff. We're about to shuttle you to the plane. So we're all walking up and we're so excited. Like we're about to get on this plane. This is seamless. And someone says, no packs, no packs. And then, <laughs> and then she's like, oh, sorry, sit down, sit down. No packs, sit down. <laughs> So we all just sit down and then we literally don't hear anything for like two hours. Like they didn't come back and say, hey, it's going to be a delay. They didn't come back. So, you know, I just looked at it like they're busy, like whatever, whatever the reason the plane isn't going, we're not the priority. So <laughs> I can't expect them to come and check on us or give us an update. Like they'll come back when they come back. So we just all took a nap. And then I was just like, I hope we get on this plane, you know. And at the time, we had booked a rental car at Travis um, because we were supposed to land at Travis at two. So then when they finally came and got us, it was about East Coast time. It was like three. Um, it was about two or three. I don't know. But I know we landed at Travis because they did come back and, and let us on the plane. And we landed at Travis at 4.55. And 
the rental car closes at 5 p.m. <laughs> so there's right. no way we're making it to get that rental. So as soon as I land, I call and they're like, we, no, we're going to close anyway. So um, it's, it's, it's like, a, it's Tuesday or Wednesday. It's Wednesday. And it's at that time, it's 5 p.m. in the Bay Area. Um, so I called my husband and he was like, well, I'll drive and come and get you, but it's traffic. So with no traffic, it's an hour and 20 minutes. So <laughs> I'll be there in three hours. Um, I'm like, okay. And the terminal is pretty empty. And Travis has this family area that's really amazing. And they had like two DVDs. And my kids are like, what is this? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, it's a DVD. And they're like, so what's that, mom? Then they asked me. I used to watch movies back in the old days. Yeah, and they're like, mom, did you have TV when you were young? And I'm like, how old do you think I am? I'm like, yes, we had TVs, but we didn't have the internet that way. We couldn't stream. So um, the movies were like Iron Man and Men in Black. So we we tried Men in Black, and I kind of almost didn't really know how to work a DVD player anymore because <laughs> it wasn't a remote either. So I'm like, how do you make it play? Because you, I, I, you probably don't remember when you put a DVD in, it's like a, a menu it pops up first. It doesn't just play, you know? So I'm like, I don't have a remote. So I couldn't get Men in Black to play. So we just watched Iron Man. And by the time the movie was ending, my husband pulled up. And we left. So my kids, they were just like, I don't know about Space Day because they just really wanted to see their cousins. So I was like, we're going to stay a week. We homeschool, so. No, it's perfect. Yeah, waiting for the day when when that door opens. Dad, can you take me somewhere? (laughs) So then um, we... I said, okay, well, I want to stay around a week. And then I, so it was like Wednesday. I was like, I'll start looking for a flight on Monday. So I'm not even going to look. I'm not going to pay attention until Monday. So I didn't see anything Monday. And then on Tuesday, I saw a flight for Thursday. So I told my husband, we're leaving Thursday. And he's like, oh, we got to leave already. So then um, Wednesday, it went from the flight being at 11 and then it was at like 1 a.m. Then it was like at 4 a.m. So it kept pushing up. So now we're into like Friday morning kind of. So then they just canceled it. So we were like, okay, we're not going. So the kids had all their stuff packed up. We're like, they're like, we're not going. So we're like, fine. So they're happy. So we got pushed to the next day. So the next day I'm like, okay, we're leaving. I think at this point it's Friday. Now we're leaving Friday. Then it got canceled. So every day we would say goodbye to everyone. We would be like, you know, <laughs> leaving. <laughs> and every day we wouldn't go. So um, Saturday, I was like, oh, if we can't get on this flight. I was like, if we, if we can't. So Saturday, like, yes, the flight is going. We're going. So we drive out to Travis. And it was like a three-hour delay. They were like, it's a delay. They tagged our bags. They took everything. So my husband... And his brother had taken us out there. They were like, um, we're just going to go to the bowling alley. We're just going to go bowling. So I was like, I'll stay around the terminal just in case they talk, call us. And they were like, come back at 6 p.m. Because I think roll call was like 1 p.m. And they were like, come back at 6. So um, at like 5, they're like, okay, everyone come boarding. So I'm texting him like, hurry up, hurry up, get back. <laughs> 
And then they're like, where is he? Is he in the bathroom? I was like, he's coming. And then <laughs> this is TMI, but it's so funny. I'm like, where are you? He's like, Billy had to poop. I was like, I'm all time. <laughs> so my six-year-old, like out of the worst time ever, he's like, he had to poop. So we're in the bathroom. I'm just like, oh, we're going to get left, you know? <laughs> You couldn't do that two hours ago. Exactly. We had all this really? time. And right when we're leaving. <laughs> so we go. He was prepping himself. <laughs> for the long flight. So yeah. we're all excited. We go through security. Um, I had like a little pouch. I always carry my stuff in a little fanny pack. Like my phone and my wallet. I think just my wallet. I must have had my phone. So we go through security. And we're literally, because once like, we feel like once you go back there, you're getting on the plane. Like, plane is ready. You're getting on. We're back there like 15 minutes. And they're like, folks, roll call has been pushed 24 hours. And we're like, <laughs> we're like 24 hours. And they're like, so come back at, uh, I think they said tomorrow at 8 p.m. or something. And we're like, oh, man. So, Thank God his brother like was barely out the gate. Like he wasn't too far. So he came back and he got us. So um, I start, I look, I wake up early in the morning and I look at their page and I don't see a flight to, to Dover. I don't see it. And I'm like, what's going on? There's no flight to Dover. And there's so many flights to Hawaii. And I'm like, we should just go to Hawaii. <laughs> I was like, I mean, we should just, we should just go to Hawaii. But, um, and I don't see the flight. So I call and they're like, yes, ma'am, the flight is moved to tomorrow. And I was like, tomorrow? And so someone had sent me a messenger, like someone from the terminal. They said, ma'am, you left your wallet, like my whole wallet in the terminal. So when I sent it through the scanner, my little fanny pack, I forgot the whole fanny pack. They said it had, it had failed. Wow. So I guess it was probably a little good that I didn't get on that flight because I would have got on my wallet. So it's like Sunday and I'm like, well, can't get on base without my cat card. Um, I was like, so I need to go back and get it. And my husband's like, well, why don't you just wait until the flight? And I was like, because I don't want to go through the drama of trying to get through the gate and we're trying to do it. And I was just like, yeah, forget it. I'll just, I'll just go later. Um, so my kids were at church with their grandma. We're just like, there's no flight today. It's tomorrow. So we started looking up commercial tickets and it was going to be about, I think it was like $500 per ticket for one-way tickets. So it was pretty expensive, but we were just like, we're just going to get the tickets. And then they call us because the lady had been texting me about my wallet. And then she, she texts me. They didn't call me. She texts me and she said, oh, they changed the flight. World call is 1140. And it's like 10 a.m. And I was like, what's the latest you can get there? And I'm like, I am an hour and 20 minutes away. I don't have my kids. My husband's on a bike ride, you know? So I call him. I'm like, come back, come back. They said the flight. And so we have to find a ride to the airport, pick up our kids, like, that are in a different city, and then go to the airport. So I was like, so what is the absolute latest we can get there? And I think they said 1400 so that gave us like a solid two hours and we pulled it off <laughs> and we got there and um, we were, we waited that day. It was delayed. So we were a little scared. 
but mm-hmm. even it was probably like a four hour delay and my um brother in law stayed. <laughs> he stayed. I was like, we were like, we're gonna text you when we get on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> so um and then um we ended up landing in Dover at Dover at like uh I think we landed at like two AM or something and then we just drove the two hours home. But my kids they're like, we love Space Day. But that's because they, they like the delays in California because they kept, they kept getting to stay. But over here, they don't like the delays because they want to go. So um, yeah. it was just a whirlwind experience. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, like I said, the story really pulled me in. And it was just all the things that happened along the path. And that's actually like pretty much how Space Day normally works in my experience anyway. <laughs> Yeah. There's been a few times where you just get there and you hop on the plane and you go to your destination and you get off and everything's cool, no problems. And that's usually once every I don't know, 20 or 30 times, maybe. I do think the probability <laughs> of you being delayed if it's a C5 is like really, really, really a greater probability. It's like, yeah. And <laughs> other maybe flights- it's because of the mission that they have. Excuse me? Maybe it's because of the mission that they have, the C5 mission versus like a C-135. No, it's actually because they um, they just break more often. They're discontinuing. <laughs> oh. um, so um, because when we were at Dover, um, one of my, uh, like a friend, he's a maintenance person on a C5. And he's like, yeah, but he's like, yeah, but when they go, they're the most comfortable. He's like, I have all of them. <laughs> He's like, but, oh, yeah, they, they have a lot of maintenance issues. So that is why. They just have a lot of maintenance issues. So I feel like typically if it's a C5, you might. But other ones, they may get delayed for different reasons. But C5 is usually maintenance. Huh. Good to know. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I never thought about it that way. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have to keep that in mind when I travel from now on. Does it say 73T? Okay, it's a C5. <laughs> Look for the 53T or some random number. Yeah. So so keep that in mind. No, yeah, that story is, is amazing. And I've, I've actually been out to Travis one time. I actually got stranded at Travis for like a week and a half one time. Oh, week and trying to, Yeah, I was trying to go from Germany back to the East Coast. And the only way I could get out was to go to Travis and then make my way back. And there was like literally no way back. <laughs> That's a long time. I mean, I guess if you look at it, we were stranded. Um, I guess I wouldn't say stranded, but I guess we were trying to leave for like four days. Yeah. Well, you guys, you you all were going back and forth to the to the base, yeah. right? So. But there, yeah. most families that were there, because it was a lot of families, and a lot of them were just staying in building, mm-hmm. um, and it could get expensive, you know, um, because Travis and Dover just so happened that. They haven't um, outsourced their building yet. So their building is still affordable. It's like $84. But other places that have outsourced, like we were on Fort Belvoir. My husband was in a hospital and I didn't want to keep driving back and forth. So I was like, I'm going to just get a, a, a hotel room. And it was $220 a night. And I was like, I'm on base? Right. <laughs> I believe it. But it's subcontracted yeah. out to IHG. Um, so that's just something to consider as well. Like if you're going to be traveling and you need kind of like an expendable budget, um, look at those terminals and look at those bases and see how much billeting actually is on those those installations because some of them are really expensive. 
Yeah. And if you think you're, if you think there's a high potential to stay or get delayed for a day or two, then it's definitely good to at least make the reservations beforehand. Cause I know a lot of times if you're there and there's like 50 or 60 people in the terminal and it gets delayed or canceled, right? Everybody's like sprinting you know, yes. across the street yeah. to building. <laughs> By the yes. time you get there, you may or may not get a room. So yeah, uh, a lot of them, they'll save your rooms like 6 PM. Mm-hmm. No credit card or anything. And if yeah. you want to save after 6 PM, then you have to use a credit card, but you can, they will reserve it up until 6 PM. Yeah. Yeah. That, and then, and then just having that, like you said, the travel budget and like, if you're not, if you know that flight's going to be 20 bucks, right. But you potentially would spend six or $700 on the ticket. It's good to just have that six or 700 bucks on the side, just in case. We were, we're, we're going to um, London in uh, November. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were like, they, they have a new rotator that actually starts next week or this week, the 22nd. Mm-hmm. And it's from BWI to Milden Hall. Um, but initially we were just going to like try to go to Ramstein. Like we were just like, okay, once we get to Europe, it's easy to travel within Europe. Um, but once we started really looking at our plan and looking at what we were doing, we just went ahead and bought commercial tickets. Um, mm-hmm. For us, we like to use space A. A lot of times when we're going somewhere where we no family or it's a low cost of living area um, because like we don't want to go a place and then our whole budget because you can spend a lot of time waiting so let's just say it was people that were stuck in Hawaii um, for like four days but it's not like you're out traveling doing tourist stuff in Hawaii you're sitting in a terminal a lot of that time so it's not like you're getting to experience the time while you're waiting because you never know you can't just like, well, I'm going to take the day off and go to the beach because you need to be um, available. So I think you just really have to um, know what your expectations are for your travel. Um, when we're going to see family, it's so easy. We don't usually have to rent a car. Um, we don't have to pay for lodging. We're just staying with family. And we have family in California. We have family in Hawaii. So or if we're going somewhere like affordable, like Portugal somewhere, or Spain, where like, oh, we can afford to pay out of pocket for this. So those are things you have to think about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I try to keep at least one or two good friends in, in a close vicinity of uh, of where I'm traveling to, if I'm traveling space, or, or even with commercial uh, airlines. Uh, I always like to hit the spots where I have friends so that if yeah. something does happen, I can, you know, hop off the plane and take a taxi and go crash for a day or two so not spectacular and that's that's uh that's awesome that they just started that rotator i know they did regular flights to Melbourne hall back and forth but the rotator is going to be a, a huge deal i think yes yeah because i know the one from there to germany is a big big deal it travels two or three times a week back and forth and it's usually the commercial like atlas airlines or whatever it is so those are always fun always fun because it's a huge plane. Yeah, those rotators are great because you got a huge plane and it's usually like, you know, maybe 200 people at most. And so you still got so much room for everybody to spread out and take up whole rows. And yeah, they're really fun. That's really awesome. Um, the process of it from 
before compared to now. So that 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 um, story you just told happened just a few months ago. Was know, maybe last month. Last month. <laughs> right, last month. Um, and that was probably I don't want to say absolute worst case, but you definitely did a few things that were really smart that I really thought was. Um, super proactive was sitting down talking with your family, and your kids, um, planning everything out mentally beforehand, um, preparing yourself. And then also, like you mentioned, um, you're going to a place where you have family in that general vicinity. So you can kind of buffer the, the costs and buffer the, the, the anxiety behind being stuck somewhere where, you, you know, you don't know anything, you have no transportation and things like that. Um, Compared to all the other flights that you've taken, was that more more difficult, or was that one of the most challenging ones? As far as space day, mm-hmm. um, definitely, definitely. Um, we never like. We, I feel like we've just had really great experiences with space day, um, because we've never we've never not gotten on the flight. We've never uh, like if the flight went, we've always gotten on it. So we've never seen a flight leave. And we just didn't make the cut. So I can imagine that could be like a little heartbreaking. (laughs) Um, And that was the most delays we've experienced. Um, Every other time, typically when they said they were leaving, they left. Like at most, um, the one at our initial flight from Andrews, it got delayed one day. And then the next day it was fine. So we didn't really, up until this point, we didn't have like all the space experiences. But I feel like this trip, we had all of them, like everything that could happen <laughs> happened yeah. with this trip. Um, so I would definitely say it was um, the most adventurous. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you've, you've given yourself a few years to build up to that experience too, so. Yes, yes. And I this is our first time traveling with children. Yeah. Well, other times it was just me and my husband. And you said the USO and in multiple places where you had to stop at um, in Dover and in Travis both had really good USOs outfitted for them. So Dover had a USO, which was pretty awesome. Travis didn't have a USO, but their passenger terminal was just really awesome. Like it's very mm-hmm. family friendly. They have like a whole family area, um, even like a little nursery area. If you have a kid, you need to put to sleep. So um, they don't have a USO in the terminal, but it's very family friendly. Okay. Andrews definitely doesn't have a USO. They don't. They don't have a lot of um, anything at Andrews. Another thing, and this is the great thing about like um, the military community that we we're so used to it that we don't even understand how amazing it is. But my little brother, who is a civilian, um, he was so like impressed that like people were just giving people rides like you know because a lot of times you can't just walk i mean you can just walk to the building or you can just walk to the gate that's a long walk and maybe 90 degree heat um so typically we've always either given rides or been given rides so that day um, my my husband used my brother's car and he like took three families to building like just kept going back and forth um when when we needed a ride because my little brother had left the gate and he's not military. So when we were coming back, someone took my husband to the gate to meet my little brother. And um, I think those are things that like, we don't really think about that 
it's the social sector they're not just going to be giving strangers rides in their cars but a lot of times you you build that rapport with other passengers while you're waiting um, so by the time we left i feel like i knew all the passengers where they were from <laughs> their their journeys and where they had been and their experiences because we had waited you know so long together yeah. so i think that's kind of one of the perks of like military family type um lifestyle or mindset that you don't really see on the outside sector and we don't really pay attention because that's just how it is and he was like yeah. this is just so cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a, it's definitely an unintentional side effect uh, and it's something that i've experienced from my first days in the in the army all the way through um yeah. definitely uh, even outside of the space a realm Mm-hmm. Same thing. Same thing. Yeah, that's that's a really good story. I love that story so much. <laughs> um, if you could name three or four, like your your pet peeve, must have travel items to take when you're going on space A, because if you've been on you know military planes versus uh, maybe the commercial rotators, which I think you mentioned you, you haven't tr- taken a rotator yet, but um, on the military flights for sure, like what are some like key things that you must have on, on you when you're on the trip? You must wear layers. You must wear layers because you never know what the temperature is going to be um, and probably have some type of blanket or something. Um, mm-hmm. get really cold. Um, I heard C-17s. I don't remember that well how cold they were because it was a while ago since we took a C-17 to see if I was pretty cold. Um, definitely have, you know, your, your own entertainment downloaded. You're not going to have any type of Wi-Fi at all. Um, and even if you like to read like hard copy books, you might need a little like light because it can get pretty dark because there's no windows, you know? Um, so if you're, Either like if you're gonna listen to something like an audio book or something like that, you want to download it. Um, or if you're gonna read hard copy, you might want to bring like a little nightlight. Um, so those are two things. Uh, three is snacks. Uh, bring okay. food. Um, <laughs> Any favorite snacks? You could be at the terminal a long time, and um, just depending on the time, you may not have access to food. So we have like a little backpack cooler. Um, so we bring our little backpack cooler as like a carry on. So we pack our lunches, um, pretty much like we're going on a picnic. <laughs> we bring the kids, bring their regular school lunch boxes, like their little bento boxes. And we are like a lunch. Um, so definitely have that. And, um, I always bring like sanitizer wipes, like white hand wipes. Um, because a lot of times like, I don't. No, if they just have like soap and stuff in the bathroom. So I would say those are my top four like must have these things on a space age flight that are maybe a little more unique than a commercial flight. Because on a commercial flight you just eat at the airport. You have so many options versus you you may not have those options. Yeah, definitely. No, those are definitely just like three three of those are probably in my top five as well. <laughs> the the blanket and the layers for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, because you probably will be sleeping on the ground of, you know, a big cargo plane. Yeah. <laughs> so, out of your experience in in the Air Force, 
and being around bases, Air Force bases, uh, your most your entire career, right? Or well, I know there's a couple of spaces where you weren't at like a an Air Force base per se, I've or maybe been Air Force Navy installations and Army installations and <clears throat> other government installations. I feel like I'm 20 years Air Force, but I don't know a lot about airplanes like that. Like, <laughs> I never worked in a flight line. I've always worked in a joint environment. So I don't like. I remember when I would deploy, I would be like, "Oh, I'm with the real Air Force now," you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I would only have that experience when I deploy. I would be like with the regular Air Force. I feel like the rest of my community, the rest of my career, I was always in a joint environment. So, so as far as like the the terminals that you've been to throughout the years, um, what were maybe some of the the best customer service experiences you had? If you remember names, which I'm sure you probably do remember names, and maybe also uh, I have a name. Um, so I don't remember all the names, but I definitely have a. I'm gonna look it up now. A very specific name, uh, the airman at Travis. That was just so amazing. Um, Hunter Plane. Um, she was the plane from Travis. Um, and she was just so amazing. But honestly, I never really had anyone that wasn't. I would say, um, Dover, they forgot to give me some information, but maybe they just assumed I knew it. Like, I parked in the wrong place at Dover. Um, yeah, I just, I just pulled up the park. <laughs> and, um, when I got to Travis on the way home, they were like, do you need a parking pass? <laughs> and I remembered, I was like, oh, I do remember back then when we got a parking pass. So I freaked out. I was like, oh my gosh, they probably towed my car. So I'm like texting people at Dover. So someone like drove past and took a picture of my car. They're like, your car is still there. Um, but they didn't asked me, did I need a parking pass? And I had told them, like, this is this is our first time flying through Space A in a long time. But I wouldn't blame them. Like, that's my responsibility to do the due diligence. But I did like that at Travis. They actually said, do you need a parking pass? Mm-hmm. Um, to, and told me, like, yeah, because you can't park. in it's a, it's a specific area that you park for a long time parking. Yeah. Um, but I've never really had a bad experience with anyone in um in space they had all they've all been i think they treat you how you treat them <laughs> yeah and that and you bring it down to the like we're all just regular people like they're regular people doing their job you're regular people <laughs> getting on a plane like yeah yeah. That's like, the base of it. yeah you treat them like they're there for you and you have you're entitled to anything like you're entitled to get on this plane you're entitled like you i feel like that probably would get you a different result versus you feeling like it's a privilege to be able to do this i hope this works out i'm going to be as nice as possible <laughs> um so i've just never had a bad experience no that's and it's probably that's probably the reason why because <laughs> your perspective on it it's definitely uh you, you definitely catch more more what is it? Catch more bees with honey than you do yeah. with vinegar. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, that's good. It's really good. Um, it's good to hear that you haven't had too many horrible experiences, but again, um, your, your demeanor and the way you, you treat people and the way you talk and, and act, I think that reflects the majority of it. <laughs> Cause I, 
had the same experience. I've had experiences with uh, fellow soldiers and we've gone to do something at some customer service desk. And, um, and I know that they're a little bit on edge and they're a little bit pushy. And I'm like, you sure you don't want me to just go up there and take care of it? And they're like, yeah, sure. And I'll go and take care of it. And they'll be like, I wouldn't handle it that way. I'm like, but it got done, right? Yes. <laughs> Everybody was smiling at the end. Exactly. So, yeah, it's definitely, definitely the, the input that you put in is going to determine the output coming out for sure. Any improvements that you would make in the space A process? Like, so just as a baseline, um, now you can actually sign up online. You can go fill out a form. Uh, it's very much more streamlined. Uh, of course, they've taken down all the all the notifications off of the Facebook pages. So you have to actually go to the website to look up the, the 72 hour schedule, <clears throat> excuse me. But uh, is there any improvements or any suggestions that you would like if you had a the golden pen to write the magic comments to put in the comment box for the space A um, folks at large? Um, I wish it was just like a central site where you can just see all the like all the roll calls all the um 72 hour schedules you know like if instead of you having to go to each site individually and even the way they update them um usually there's only like one or two people that are authorized to do the updates um, so it's a very manual process so i feel like if they were to streamline that that way you just go to one site and you can see pretty much all the world calls um I'm not sure that they will invest in that <laughs> um, just because, but if I had a magic wand, then that probably would be that, like a central site. And that way you can kind of really see, uh, and maybe that's why they don't do it because of OPSEC. I feel like maybe then you can see trends, you can see, you know, different things. Um, so you, you have to work a little harder. Um, but I think overall, like for what it's worth, I think it's a good process. I was just really happy that you don't have to um, email your stuff to every, all the different ones anymore. The fact that you could just click down, that was, that was huge. Um, was yeah. a time saver. So I think, um, and even like, I like how um, it's all uniform now. I like the AMC site versus the Facebook much, mm -hmm. much better. I know a lot of people rather have the Facebook because I guess you could read comments and stuff, but I like um, the AMC site. It's very clean and easy. Like I, I know what to look for on all those sites because they're uniform. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm part and partial to the Facebook as well. I do like reading the comments, so <laughs> <laughs> sometimes answering, but um, I liked the fact that you could actually just pull up the thing and have it like right there and you didn't have to mm -hmm. go through some crazy process to get to it. Right. Um, but yeah, the, the website is definitely clean. It's, it's and uh, the drop down checklist is very because you don't have that. <laughs> I used to have an email with like forty different AMC, like yes. Air Force and Navy, both like listed, so I can send the email to everybody at the same time. <laughs> uh, and if they get it, or if they didn't get it, that's another story. That's a small idea. Yeah. <laughs> um. What, if any, advice uh, would you give to your 20-year-old self pertaining to space hay travel or maybe just military in general, like looking ahead? Do it more. <laughs> um, my first base was Japan, mm -hmm. and it was just complete culture shock. I was there two years. I feel like I didn't even leave the base for the first six months. 
Um, I was just like very afraid to drive on the wrong, on the other side. I said the wrong side. See, like American bank. Um, <laughs> I was uh, afraid to drive on the other side of the road. Uh, I just was used to the comfort of comfortability of English, comfortability of the day. So I didn't really go face the first six months. And then once I started um, hanging with some of my coworkers that were getting out more, doing more, I finally like ventured outside, like like to the next cities over and went to Tokyo like once. But um, in hindsight, I would have traveled so much more. I would have like really learned the culture, um, tried to learn the language. I would have like really um, explored the culture and there's so many places I could have had to from there. I could have went to Korea. I could have went to Okinawa. So I would just travel more. Um, that's what I would do. But I think I just want yeah. to all to go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you only you get a short limited time, amount of leave and, and you don't want to take it for granted. So especially if you're overseas. Um, do you have any resources that you would recommend beyond um, like Facebook and even beyond the AMC site that you've experienced or come across over the years for, for space travel? Well, I feel like your videos are going to be a, a resource. I'm going to put a, a shout out for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think it's called Happens. It's always on the space site, but she does, or she or he, I'm not sure, of the author. But they do really in-depth um, blogging about space aid, and I learned a lot from them. And a lot of times it's very specific. It could be specific to a terminal or region. It'll tell you, you know, hotels you can stay at, like once you land at Ramstein or once you land in different places. And what is it like to travel space aid with kids and you know, the different plane layouts and what that experience is going to be like. I even read one and told you, like, where to sit if you want to be warm, you know? So um, I really, really like that, that website. Okay. I'll get that from you. Um, and we'll put it definitely in the notes below. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you said your trip to London is going to be commercial now? You decided yes, commercial? we were going to. We really were going to do it. Um, I literally, I bought our tickets um, day before yesterday. So okay. I was, we were really going to do it. So we thought we another option, what we were going to do, we were just going to buy refundable tickets. So we wanted to leave. Um, we wanted to be there the 5th through the 18th. So um, we were going to try to hop like the 1st through the 1st. And then if the 5th come and we didn't take a hop, we would just take our tickets. Um and if not, we would get it would be fully refundable. So that's what we were going to do. But what we ended up doing, because initially it was just going to be me, my husband, and our kids, which were more flexible. But then we invited um, a friend, and then my mom is coming. And when it's other people coming and lodging arrangements are made around like such a big group, I was like, well, it's probably better to just fly commercial. But we're definitely going to try to uh, take a rotator for BWI since we were so close at some point. So maybe uh, in the spring we'll try to come out. Um, or me and my husband might just try to go because we want to ski in the Alps really bad. So 
We'll, we'll, we might um, try to take one this one or just us two. Okay. Um, how do you think that process is going to look now that you're cat six versus cat three? So I feel like we're in this, like, um, I feel like until next summer, cat six kind of like, he kind of lucky right now. Cause I just think since they say just started, I just think a lot of people don't know that it restarted cause it was gone for like two years. So it's been um, abnormally slow, even summer. Like Cat Sixes was not getting bumped this summer. No one was really getting bumped this summer. And maybe it might set a false expectation. Um, <laughs> like I really only have this window between now and next summer before Cat's out the bag that like Space A is back. <laughs> and then, and then I need to take my post down. Yeah, and then active duty is like that. So um, I will never, as a cat six personally, will probably never try summer. Um, and we just have a lot of flexibility because I'm retired. My husband works remote and we homeschool. So we will just always try out a season. Like, I feel like September is great because all the kids just started school. So yeah. even if you're pulling your kids out for a vacation, you probably aren't pulling them out soon as school starts. Uh, so, um, like right before the holidays, like early December, like super early, like the first week, um, probably better. Cause I feel like all the college students or like cat four, they usually get out like mid December. So you're going to get bumped. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of like, I'm always like thinking like, when would people not be traveling? And that's when we should travel. Um, so I feel like you just have to avoid spring break time, avoid Christmas holidays, and then avoid summer if you can. Um, but um, there was a couple I met, and they have been traveling Space Day for, he said, 15 years. They wow. said they've been around the globe, and they just gave us so much hope in their cat six because he, um, I think he was in his 70s, so he retired quite a while ago. And they've had a great experience traveling around the world. I don't think they get bumped a lot. So yeah, that's, a, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> they've been everywhere. Um, I can imagine. Yeah. So it's just, I'm really excited to go a lot of different places. This is just such a good privilege. Yeah. If you get a chance um, to, if you want to hit the Alps and you want to go skiing in the wintertime, um, definitely see if you can buffer some time to visit some of the Christmas markets and stuff. Cause in, I know in Germany for sure, probably in Austria, maybe Switzerland, like the Christmas markets around, you know, November, December, January, just amazing. It's a once in a lifetime experience. Some of them. Wow. Yeah. Some, oh, I have another resource. That couple that has traveled around the world, they told me about, cause he said we went to Germany and he told me about RTT. Um, it's kind of like it's kind of like ITT travel in the states, like the MWR type thing, and they they have all these trips, and um, they go from Ramstein, and they're there's when I saw them, there was just really great trips. So um, I would say that site um, was a good site, and maybe other uh, installations have like uh, who travel from those installations as well. But they told okay. From the base to yes. going out to the, um, okay. Like the MWR put together trips, mm -hmm. but the, the, the German one, they have like all 
kind of like day trips, multi-night trips, cruises, and they were very affordable and they were like really nice, like the lodgings, um, selections and everything were like really nice. Okay. Yeah. I'll write that one down too. That's, I haven't actually heard of that one before, but I do know that they have, um, even when I was active duty here many, many years ago, um, they, they had a lot of trips like that through the MWR and a couple of their different organizations where you can just yes. like pay 50 bucks and go to Czech Republic for two nights and go shopping yes. and whatever. It's called RTT Travel. Okay. RTTTravel.com. Awesome. awesome. It's, they do like really, really great trips. So that was another thing that I um, learned from um, people that were that I met on the plane and that I met in the terminal. They say veteran veterans. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, beyond that, um, how is how was your retirement? You know, I know it's retired out of army, but I actually like all retired branches of service. And interesting to hear the differences between uh, the army and the navy and the air force. Um, how was your retirement? Like maybe the last ninety to one hundred and eighty days. How was the experience mentally, emotionally? Otherwise, um, it was pretty. Uh, it was a roller coaster. <laughs> it went from happy to sad to scared to anxiety to peace. Um, so uh, it was just based on you know my entire life. I have always like done what did things for security, and it was the first time I was like, you know, now I'm gonna do what I want to do. Um, so that was a little scary, not having like a safety net. Um, so it, I, that was pretty scary. And then um, just the process of out processing. When you're PCSing, out processing is so different <laughs> um, than when you're like uh, retiring. Because the difference is, for one, you've PCS before, or you know a lot of people that PCS that's still in that you still have access to. But when retiring, those people that have the knowledge, they're gone already. There's really no one to tell you, like, hey, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. And I think they try to do it with the checklist, but it can be really confusing. And it's so many missing pieces. Like, like, you know, um, my family members had doctor's appointments scheduled for September. And I'm like, do I need to cancel those while I transfer my TRICARE? You know, um, is it backdated? You know, like, do we just not have any coverage until I go in and go into theaters and change it? And um, having to, like, even when I went in there to try to change it, um, I have to pick a doctor. And I'm like, I've never had to pick a doctor, you know? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Do I just need to go in the doctor? Do I do research? Um, so it's like small things. I mean, they sound small, but it's just like we haven't had to do those things like ever, you know? Um, you get to basically assign you to a PCM. <laughs> you know, they assign you to dental, you know? Um, so like when I'm going in there and it's like, okay, select your doctor. I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> So I'm like, okay, I guess I need to do some research before I go. So then that's delaying it. So um, it's kind of like the, the 
getting used to like not having a checklist. Like when you had a checklist for 20 years, you didn't have to. Uh, it was just a lot of day-to-day things and that you didn't really have to put a lot of thought into that now I have to think about. So, yeah. um, but overall, I think the members of my team um, made the transition easy because I still talk to them on, I'm still on the group text, you know, I haven't got <laughs> kicked out of the group text. So, <laughs> so I kind of <laughs> I still talk to them. So I, I I don't feel like a super disconnection that a lot of people may feel when they get out, like when it's just now, it's just you and your family. Um, yeah. I still talk to the coworkers that I, that I retired of talking to. So. Do they still reach out and ask questions? Um, sometimes, but I like, because I literally am on the group text. So if I see something and I'm like, oh, you could do this or if I have advice or like most of the time I just see they're doing um, really amazing stuff. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I saw the new website. This is awesome. You know, (laughs) and they're like, oh, such and such worked so hard on it. So it's kind of almost like proud mom moments more than um, them tasking me. Like they're definitely not tasking me or saying, hey. Since you're here, can you answer that? Definitely <laughs> not that. I think that would be yeah. that would be a little much. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, hold on, I'm gonna have to mute this for a minute. Just yeah. I'm need five minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's more like me just still seeing what's going on, not feeling disconnected, um, and just like being really proud of, of, of my team and everything they're doing. Okay. Um, so you mentioned branching out and doing your own thing. I believe you have your own business. Uh, what is it called and how can people find out about it? Oh, um, it's called Club Lab Rascals and you can find out on www.clublabrascals.com or you can go to any of our social medias at Club Lab Rascals. Um, and what we do is we teach kids K through five and we just expanded to pre-K. So now we're kids three through 11, um, we teach them uh, STEM. So science, technology, engineering, mathematics. We do camps, uh, we have our own curriculum um, and we do workshops, so after school programs, things like that. So we partner um, with uh, school districts, library systems, recreational uh, recreational centers, um, anyone that has access to children. And we also host our own events where parents just come to us directly. And how long ago did you start that? Did you start it right after you came out or did you start it prior to? I started in 2019. Okay. I started in 2019. Um, and the <clears> way I started <throat> it is because um, I live in Prince George's County, Maryland, and um, my, my background is cyber. And the last um, seven years of my career, I worked with predominantly all engineers. Um, and it just wasn't a lot of minorities. It wasn't a lot of women. And I just would talk to the engineers I worked with and like what made you become an engineer um, or <clears throat> I would look at our schools and see how a lot of um, people in our schools they weren't like in our engineering schools or medical schools how they weren't Americans so I just wanted to know like why aren't we why why do we have this underrepresentation not just uh, minorities but Americans period and STEM so 
I was in graduate school. Um, I started doing research in graduate school, um, kind of like my own anecdotal research. And um, I identified kind of three things that um, was making a difference. Um, one of them was early introduction. And most of the engineers and scientists and doctors that I knew, they were introduced at a very, very early age. And I think we don't introduce our kids usually until middle school or high school. But by that point, someone has told them that it was hard. Um, so they're intimidated. But if you get them, like no one has told my six-year-old that chemistry or physics or any of this is supposed to be hard. So it's just fun to him. And he has no idea that kind of being able to break down a glucose molecule is like supposed to be hard. But he's like, oh, yeah, you just need... You know, 12 carbon atoms, like he just, you know, it's like easy <laughs> for the six-year-old because um, yeah. no one's told him it's hard. He's just, and we're introducing in a fun way. So uh, early introduction was one. Um, the second one was um, kind of some type of representation. So a lot of them, um, their fathers or their uncles, or they had someone in their uh, realm of influence who was in that field. So they can kind of give them a blueprint. So we wanted to really ensure that we would provide a representation to any group that was underrepresented um, to see themselves in this. Um, and then the third one was uh, hands-on and kind of uh, very engaging. Um, oftentimes in our school systems, we kind of teach like uh, rote memory. So it's more about like, can you remember this formula? Can you remember this and our program is really based on um, doing versus like you actually do it so we're actually going to build we're going to use some play-doh and some toothpicks and we're going to build this glucose molecule and you're going to know that each blue play-doh is carbon and this color you know this is hydrogen so they're having fun while they're building and then when they're looking at it they're like oh i do see that all of these have you know, three bonds versus this only needs one bond. And we're explaining it when we do it. So we teach very high level concepts to little kids and they have no idea that the stuff that they know is like stuff that kids are learning in high school. Um, so those are yeah. kind of the three uh, premises of our program. Uh, we've been uber successful. Like the success is beyond our belief. Uh, we're, we are in DC public schools now. Uh, we have um, um, partner with, like, we've had something with National Geographic before. We've had over 1,500 kids in our programs overall. We just launched, like, a homeschool program for homeschoolers. Um, so we're just really excited to, to get more kids interested in STEM at an early age um, and just get them curious. Just get them curious. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing that the expectations of adults uh, on what children actually learn versus what they, what they, what we think they can learn, what mm -hmm. we think is above their level. Yes. It's a very, 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 there's a divide. Yeah. Um, I, like I learn oftentimes why they're learning and they actually teach me so many things. Like they'll break down something and I like, I, I had no idea. Thank you. Let's go look it up. Let's go on YouTube <laughs> and find out more. So um, I think kids are, um, they're, they're naturally, to me, scientists and engineers, like, by birth, like, 
you see them, they're building stuff, they're playing with stuff, they're taking something that is not a toy and making it a toy. <laughs> so I think they're just naturally curious and, and it's up to us to not stagnate their curiosity, not deter their curiosity with our expectations. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. It's uh, it's actually one, and and that's why I'm really lucky and, and blessed and to have uh, come across you and, and had you because it's this is just an added bonus. Uh, it's definitely something that's near and dear to my heart. Like early education, STEM, tech, like cyber. I mean, I was in cyber as well. So, um, but yeah, there's there's a huge disconnect, and then and then the fact that. You know, at some point, that curiosity gets stifled by the the rote memorization and the, the you know the streamline. Like you have to follow this path and go to school and then get a job and then blah blah blah. Like um, I don't think that's the way the future looks. I really, honestly, don't. I agree. <clears throat> I agree. Yeah. Well, uh, I want to be thankful, uh, thoughtful of your time, and I know we've been on for about an hour now, so hour and some change. Um, I'll just wrap it up with a couple small things and then I'll let you get back to your day and uh, get back to teaching and, and <laughs> getting the kids excited about science and technology again. Really, really amazing. Um, any words of wisdom, um, like mental exercises, a book, uh, a candle sitting on a windowsill, like any kind of anchor that you used during your time getting out and retiring that you would recommend to anybody else? Um, I would say my words of wisdom is just appreciation of, of the presence, like learn to be in the present. Um, mm -hmm. Like either we're in the past, which could be kind of sad because you want to change things or you want, you know, or you can be so anxious about what's next that you can't really enjoy the right now. So just enjoy this moment. Like if you're just getting out, just enjoy it. Just take the time to say, wow, I did, you know, 20 plus years. And these are the things that I, I did over those 20 years. And these are the experiences that I had and the memories that I built. And now, I get to kind of, you know, control me for a little while and, you know, spend that time with your family, especially I know my army comrades, I do feel like they deploy more at a much higher tempo and longer periods. Um, so just spending that time with your family, if you have a family, or if you don't have a family, just doing things you love. Like, if you like hiking, if you like running, um, just get a hobby. Get something before you get out. <laughs> um, my grandfather always told me, like, don't wait. Like, so many people, they put off the things that they want because they're waiting to pay this bill or waiting until they get to this point or waiting to do this. And he said, by the time you retire and you've saved all these things you're going to do, he's like, now nah, you're too tired. He's like, but life was happening. He's like, life is in the point where you're waiting. So take advantage of that point. Um, and so I feel like most people that have hobbies before they get out, they're just able to do more of that once they get out or a passion, a hobby, whatever it is. 
So for me, because I have lab rascals, um, I when I homeschool, I never feel like bored or like I'm missing out. Like I'm still super busy. Um, people that I know that go fishing or um, you know they, they hike, so they go you know they go on road trips or whatever you do. Start doing that before you get out. Don't say I'm starting when I get out because you probably won't start. <laughs> you probably won't start. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you find something that brings you joy and look forward to doing more of whatever that is. Yeah. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. I say the same thing many, many times. <laughs> start retiring five years before you actually retire so that you're mentally like there when you get there. COVID helped, I feel like, with me. Yeah, me too. Me too. I was home for two years, so I got to really spend all my time with my family. It, because of my career field, you know, we couldn't do a lot of work from home, you know? <laughs> so it was just a lot of bonding. And I, I was remote the last two years, so. Yeah. Plus a lot of time for reflection. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I want to thank you very, very, very much for your time. Um, maybe sometime in the future, there's a, there's an, a new interview or a new, uh, uh, time to sit down and talk about maybe go in depth about your business, about the, uh, club rascal club lab rascals. Because uh, I definitely, that's super interesting to me. Um, where where would you point people if they wanted to find you or find, I've got the Club Lab Rascals uh, webpage, um, but if they wanted to find you like on the internet, where would you want them to come find you or hit you up? Um, I'm on Facebook, uh, Tandalea Takapi. Okay. That's probably, or if you want to email me, you can email Tandalea at clublabrascals.com. Okay. Perfect, because hopefully maybe some people will hear this and, and uh, get some interest in that as well, because um, it's super important, super duper important. Um, okay, I think that's about it. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you want to, that you would like to add or anything that I haven't gone over or anything that I haven't touched on? No, I just want to say thank you um, for just trying to help people. Um, other people that are retiring, I think um, that's pretty awesome. That even though uh, you're not in the army anymore, you're still giving back, and I think that's pretty—it's it's definitely a gap for as you're retiring because you kind of do feel like all the people that have did it, you don't have access to them. Um, so this is a, a great place, and I hope that a lot of people will find this site and find it uh, useful, and it will help with their transition. So uh, thank you for reaching out to me and for. I'm just trying to help the next generation. Yeah, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. Yeah, that's what it's all about is really just, I mean, they gave me 25 great years of, of service and experience. And, you know, awesome. at some point you got to give back <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> in whatever way you can. So, um, well, thank you very much. Um, I really, really greatly appreciate it. I had a really wonderful time talking to you uh, and getting to hear your story in person firsthand. So um, hopefully I'll see you soon. And uh, anybody wants to check out any of the information, it'll be down in the comments. And uh, I want you to have a great day and have a fun trip in London. Thank you. Have a good <laughs> okay. One. Bye.